And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Saturday, October 22nd. And you guys are all going to start receiving those ridiculously lengthy emails or that big fat booklet of your new benefits. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's happening. Sorry. What that benefit package means to you is a lot of money. And you want to make sure that you are taking advantage of every aspect of the plan that your employer provides. And one of the big parts of plans that I think is really becoming an overlooked great benefit is something called a health savings account. So in order to give you a deep dive into health savings account, Mark booked a fantastic guest, Tom Nations of Morningstar, and he's going to help you understand how much you need to pay attention to the HSA, why it's important and what it can do for you and your family. So here is the first part of our interview with Tom Nations. All right. You're the HSA, the health savings account expert. So let's start with an easy definition. What the heck is a health savings account? Yeah. So it is sort of in the name to a certain extent. So it's uh, an account to be used for healthcare savings. Now, it has broad usage and applicability, right? So it can be used as sort of a long-term savings vehicle, uh, as the name implies. So it can be used for investments, but it can also be used for sort of near-term uh, expenses. So it has sort of both current and long-term needs that it fulfills, and they are tied directly to high deductible health plans. So just a little bit of background, they were introduced in 2003 as a way to make sort of high deductible health plans, which by their nature have the possibility for higher out-of-pocket costs, right? Because they have higher deductibles. So health savings accounts were introduced to sort of make those potential out-of-pocket costs more palatable while also uh, sort of incentivizing long-term investment for healthcare needs, uh, particularly in retirement. So the thing about the high deductible plans, I remember when these were first introduced, that there was a concern that 
if you knew you needed coverage, like you were going to, going to get a knee replacement next year, that people got freaked out because they knew that they were going to have these high deductible plans. How do you see that conversation evolving since uh, 2003? You know, it's almost 20 years old. So are high deductible plans still, do they still have some downsides? That's sort of been, you know, one of the headwinds, right? If you know, you know, if you're consistently paying the full deductible for whatever plan you have currently, uh, shifting to a high deductible health plan will just increase your out-of-pocket costs. I, I think at the same time, what we've seen is that there's been a really increased adoption of high deductible health plans over the years. It's now at 28% of workers were selecting high deductible health plans. That's up from 4% in 2006. Hold on a second. It went from 4 to 28%. Was that simply because people wanted lower premiums? So uh, yes, I, I think that the more these have been in the market, the more they've been understood. It, it does offer lower premiums. You know, the other benefit is that if you have you know, you have this HSA, right, that you can tie to that when used properly is not subject to tax at any point. You know, a lot of employers do fund HSAs regardless of whether employees choose to fund it themselves with payroll deductions, right? So, you know, a lot of people have sort of seen that and said, okay, you know, the deductible itself is higher, right? But uh, I'll have lower premiums. And, you know, if my employer is funding some of this as well, you know, if I do end up having, you know, a knee replacement or I know I have something coming down the line, I'll know that I'll pay that out of pocket, but I have this HSA and I have some funding from my employer to cover it. Plus I'll have the money saved from the premium. So now when you say that, wait a second, about the the employer funding, and we just had a call with somebody who who mentioned this, is this a, one of those weird benefits that people are not valuing as much as they should? Because I don't hear a lot of people being like, yeah, my boss put away blank. They all talk about the stupid match on their retirement account. Mm-hmm. But is this something that more and more companies are doing? It seems so. Yes, it seems so based on the, on the data we've seen and and. What you see is just 9% of accounts have investment assets. And so if you think about the HSA, really the optimal usage is to be used as sort of a long-term savings vehicle. Now, I obviously understand everyone has current needs. Sometimes there are medical emergencies and you want to tap the HSA for that. Obviously, that's that's what it's intended to do as well. But a lot of people are, are have these HSAs through their employers. They're getting funded by their employers and they say, oh, I have this account. You know, I, I have a healthcare expense come up. Uh, a lot of the HSAs offer debit cards, right? So you can just, you say, okay, I've got this qualified medical expense. I'll just swipe the debit card that my employer funded. Perfect. You know, that's problem solved. I don't need to pay out of pocket for it. And some of them even treat it as use it or as a use it or lose it vehicle, right? They say, okay, look at this money that came in from my employer. I need to spend it in this calendar year. But that's not the case with HSAs, right? That's the case for FSAs. But HSAs can be rolled over indefinitely forever in the beneficiary's lifetime. So if you can cover the expense without straining your budget too much, you know, with savings or a checking account, right? It's more optimal to sort of use the HSA dollars that you have for sort of the long-term savings. But how many plans actually have the high deduct? I mean, plans, how many employers are doing this? I mean, are large employers basically making this a standard part of the benefits package or is this having a hard time getting pickup? What, what's your observation on that? Yeah, I think it's become more and more part of the broad menu of offerings by employers. I think, you know, what you do see if you look at sort of like the, the broader industry studies is that high deductible health plans are very much part of 
the menu offered, uh, especially by large employers to their employees. Do you think, I mean, if let's say that someone's listening to this, right? And they are self-employed. Can you put in your own high deductible health plan? Like how would you do it if you were either a small business or self-employed? It, it certainly is possible. I think, I guess I'll say, you know, one of the things we highlighted this year is sort of like the administrative headache of investing the HSA may be part of the reason why uh, mm. we see such a low adoption of investment accounts. And so if you're doing it, if you're going it on your own, you know, the administrative burden is even higher, right? So let's just compare the two. If you have an employer and your employer funds the HSA, they do the opening of the account and they fund the account for you, right? There's no steps the employee necessarily needs to take to do that. If you're on your own or if you're self-employed, so you need to sign up for a high deductible health plan, right? You can then fund your own HSA. So that'll be with after-tax dollars though, right? But one of the benefits of the HSA, right, like I said, is if it's used properly, it's not subject to tax at any point. So the individual then needs to fund the HSA with after-tax dollars, but then on their tax return, similar to like a traditional IRA contribution, right? You need to sort of file that as a deduction. So essentially- Oh, so it's a little bit of a pain. It's not huge, but it's a little bit of a pain in the neck. No, no. It's it's definitely not a huge burden, but again, something that's certainly on the individual to take care of. So now, Tom, give us the best reasons besides the idea that, you know, you've got some money that's being taken out without any taxation to pay for healthcare costs. But like, what else? Why do go through all of this? Is that a big enough reason that everyone should be doing it who can? Uh, Yes. I mean, I'd say yes. First off, first of all, there's nothing like it available and there's no saving account like it. Nothing matches the tax benefits when used properly. So if you think about the average 65-year-old couple too, if you want to think about the long-term benefits, we'll spend the average 65-year-old couple will spend $315,000 on healthcare and medical expenses in retirement, and that's not even including long-term care. If you think about that, you need to have that saved somewhere. Why mm. wouldn't you want that in the vehicle where it will not receive taxation at any point? And that's what the HSA is for, right? You want to have that set aside somewhere. And so if you think about it, it can come from your 401k if you want. It can come from your retirement accounts. But those are subject to income tax. When you use the HSA for qualified medical expenses, they don't get taxed. I think the other thing, too, to point out would be there's so much flexibility with the HSA, too. So, you know, one example would be, let's say I incur a $2,000 medical expense in 2017, but I don't reimburse myself from the HSA. Uh, I pay for it out of pocket, but I keep the receipt for that medical expense. Let's say in 2022, I'm doing work on my house or something like that. And I spend $2,000 on my house, but I don't necessarily, you know, I just work that needs to be done, but I don't necessarily want to, I don't have the cash flow to do that right now. What you can do is you can actually pull that in 2022 from the HSA and say, hey, I'm reimbursing myself for this $2,000 expense I incurred in 2017. And the IRS says, great, that makes sense. No tax on it at all, even though it's not directly tied to that expense. The timing doesn't make doesn't align, but the dollars align. And therefore, mm-hmm. you're, you don't run afoul of the tax code. So like that flexibility, and there's so much flexibility with the HSA that it can be great you know, for really, if you're diligent and you're on top of medical expenses that do get reimbursed or don't get reimbursed and you keep the receipts, it actually can be a great sort of emergency savings vehicle on top of that too. So here's a way that Mark described it before we got on the air. He goes, it's like a Roth for your health care. Is that a fair uh, way to describe the HSA? No, it's better than a Roth. 
because of pre-tax. Yes, exactly. So let's say you're if you're signing up through your employer, you fund the HSA with payroll deductions pre-tax. Then the investment, if you choose to invest the money, it grows at no point getting taxed, not on capital gains, not on dividends and interest, not anything like that. And then when withdrawn for medical expenses, it's not subject to tax either. So at no point does it get taxed. Whereas on a Roth, you're funding with after-tax dollars. Right. Nothing to do to get that back. So that's why it's called the triple tax advantage, right? Exactly. The tax deduction, no current tax, no tax on withdrawal, right? Exactly. All right. That was part one of HSA Bootcamp. Part two comes tomorrow. And if you've got a question about any part of your benefit program, just give us a shout. Go to JillOnMoney.com. Click the Contact Us button. Let us know if you'd be willing to come on the air. Have those benefits with you, man. Don't be coming on the air and asking us about benefits if you don't have the information available. All right? Thank you. We, we appreciate that in advance. While you're on the website, don't forget that you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter. It comes out every single Friday. It's a wonderful way to tune up for your weekend. You can subscribe to us anywhere you get your podcasts and check out our other program. It's called Eye on Money. Do something nice for someone else today. Grit, growth, grace. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.